There is no doubt it's been a turbulent year for the global economy and here at home. High inflation, high interest rates taking hold this year, both locally and internationally. And not forgetting the Ukraine war, the energy crisis in Europe, persistent global supply chain disruption and China's strict COVID policies. The result, looming recession for the world's most powerful nations and the effects felt worldwide. Here at home, the country has been crippled by continuous power cuts, high petrol prices and a dysfunctional railway system, to mention just a few. So, can it get any worse? Welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday, an in-depth look at the events and trends moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. I'm Jeremy Maggs. In our last episode for this year, I'm joined by Investec Chief Economist Annabel Bishop to help us make sense of this tumultuous year and maybe what we can expect in 2023. Annabel, as always, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. All right, Annabel. before we look at the domestic situation, let's start globally, if we can. Let's get your broad assessment. It was about as tough as it gets. I think it was a very tough year. You know what was unique this year, Jeremy, is that um, we had a very long lead up into a negative market event. You know, we saw a quick, hard um, recession in 2008, 2009 with the financial crisis, the same again for the pandemic in 2020. This year has been a long lead up since April of bad news to come. And then, of course, markets reacting to it in turn, um, the slowdown in the global economy actually starting as well, but still not yet, you know, reaching the point of global recession. So I think, you know, we've had almost about nine months now of sort of a risk-averse environment. And of course, you know, that's why our currency is so weak, why the rand's so weak. And of course, you know, obviously why we've had so much volatility in financial markets. What does all of this say, Annabelle, about the ongoing resilience, though, of the global economy, given that we're not quite at breaking point yet? I think that's quite a key point because, you know, we need to overlay upon that the very harsh COVID lockdowns in China. And of course, that's had a very negative impact on commodity prices, in turn affecting commodity currencies again, like South Africa's RAND, and then also the impact initially on inflation from the Russian-Ukraine war. We saw commodity prices spike up. And in fact, commodity prices were already quite high coming from the dislocation of the supply chain in the COVID years. And of course, also as well, the impact on food prices from climate change, many factors which actually led to a high inflation environment this year. We, of course, also saw the interest rate hikes rise as well. As you said, some resilience in the economy. I think, you know, the interest rate hikes, while they've been quite hard and sharp, they've also been well communicated as well. And, you know, that has really led us to the point now where while inflation is still sticky, it it seems to be starting to turn. And, of course, you know, the Federal Reserve Bank recently has said that it's looking to do slower interest rate hikes. So not interest rate hikes anymore. It's at, you know, three quarters of a percent, dropping them to half a percent. So that's really looking to enter 2023 with a a more gentle interest rate hike trajectory, although one that's not yet at an end, as you were talking about, still some resilience in economies because obviously we haven't got to the point where we obviously are in a severe global recession. But some good news coming out from China over the weekend that they have been easing their COVID-19 restrictions. I expect this to continue into 2023. I think China is going to have to give up on its zero COVID tolerance. And that in itself has obviously been helpful for financial markets, for the currencies and for the risk environment. Also will be helpful for global economic growth as well. So it looks like we might be turning the corner from the inflation point of view, from the severity of the interest rate hike point of view, although the 
rates aren't over. And of course, as well, you know, some positives coming in from global growth. But it's not yet at an end, uh, Jeremy. I think we are going to be taking quite a few of the issues into 2023 that we had in 2022. If we're not at that severe recession point that you refer to, Annabelle, in 2023, what kind of tipping point do we need to look out for? expectation is that there might be a mild recession in 2023. Some things we might look out for to change our view on that and, you know, the the feared severe recession, as you put it, would be if we suddenly perhaps saw some more events coming out in China, which is going to very severely affect the economic growth. Perhaps as well also if the United States uh, pulls back on its recent rewind in hawkishness, if it suddenly becomes a lot more hawkish, suddenly pushes up interest rate hikes, you know, more severely again, really damages market confidence. And of course, as well, Jeremy, let's not forget an escalation in the Russian-Ukraine war. We remain concerned about the energy crisis in Europe. We we flag that as as, as one key risk. And of course, not just because of the negative effect on inflation from high energy prices, but also, of course, as well, the dulling effect that it has on economic growth. And of course, you know, the Eurozone believed to already be in a recession. The concern there is that they obviously are still making their way through what is probably going to be a difficult winter this year. And, you know, just broadly as well, we obviously have seen the impact on commodity price, on energy prices, from some of the concern that we might see a um, a weaker growth environment next year. So that's obviously brought the oil prices down somewhat. It's contributed to the slight improvement in inflation in a few areas. I think, you know, Jeremy, what I would say to you is that inflation is still elevated. It's still high and obviously still at very high levels for some countries. And it's still going to take a while to unwind. Do you think, Annabelle, that the world is starting perhaps to adjust to the Ukraine crisis, that the variables and the manifestation has now been factored in, that we're starting to see maybe a degree of normalcy there? Or could that still be a shocking global event that has ripples? I think the Russian-Ukraine war has been factored in. I think it's certainly at the level that it's at. But the point really is that we find ourselves in a situation now, I think you're right, where markets almost have moved on from that shock. The concern about global famine, the worry about um, insufficient grain exports has largely been met with a grain deal. And of course, we obviously are seeing the energy prices come off. But look, Jeremy, not to forget that we do see on the 5th of December, the oil embargo coming in against Russian oil. So, So that will have some effect on commodity prices. I wouldn't say it's out of the system, the Russian-Ukraine war. I wouldn't say we can completely ignore it. But I do think that the shock that, you know, financial markets met it in the end of the first quarter when it began, that concern has subsided somewhat. I think that also as well, you know, we continue to see the war fought on economic terms, you know, sanctions against Russia, trying to um, economically hurt Russia to get it to pull back from the war. The general consensus is that it won't develop into a nuclear war. So I th- I think from that perspective, it's seen to be fairly curtailed. Look, there's always room for shocks and surprises. But I think that we probably are finding ourselves in a situation where we could see a further moderation in energy prices into next year. Certainly, that's what's hopeful. That's the expected case. And there's a lot of hope around that. But let's let's be quite clear here. There's also a huge amount of risk as well. But anyway, a moderation in commodity prices. We're already seeing it coming through from food prices, for example, energy prices, combined with the fact 
that inflation is measured on a year-on-year basis. So we're now moving into the period where the commodity prices, even if they're not falling, they're being measured off higher prices from a year ago. And that obviously is going to start dulling inflation as well. That's going to be really the key driver of inflation. The base effects and obviously moving through 2023 and comparing the commodity prices in that year to the ones we had in 2022, particularly on the energy front. And that might actually give us an inflation surprise. Perhaps inflation comes down quicker than anticipated, which would really provide a positive boost all around, not just for financial market sentiment, but business confidence as well, and also aid us a bit on our interest rate trajectory, see perhaps a more modest interest rate trajectory um, globally and domestically than is currently being anticipated. So Annabel, you're sounding a lot more optimistic than I thought you would be at the start of this conversation. If you're talking about a dulling of inflation, if you're talking about downward interest rates, if you're talking about a slightly milder recession, globally then, do you think the cost of living crisis has then peaked? I would say, Jeremy, that it's a bit difficult to say it's peak because let's bear in mind a couple of things. There's a two to three quarter lag between a change in interest rates and the impact on inflation. So that's one of the reasons why the United States is looking for a more modest uh, inflation trajectory, because obviously they think that there is going to continue to be some pressure on inflation coming down. I would say as well that we we certainly do believe that inflation might be stabilizing. It's hard to say it's peaked because you might get one month that's an outline, it's a bit higher. But, you know, the trend certainly should be downwards, you know, over the course of 2023. And that's really the point I want to make. But we do provide a caveat on that we are still in a very uncertain environment. And, of course, we are still at risk of volatility. You know, our expected case may be for a more modest inflation environment for the cost of living crisis to ease over 2023. But we need to bear in mind that there are a lot of risks. And, of course, you know, we, we mustn't forget climate change as well, the impact that that has on South Africa's economy, that has globally as well. That's a key reason why food prices were so elevated before we moved into the effects of the Russian-Ukraine war early this year. So, you know, that hasn't come to an end. And of course, that could be a key influencer for commodity prices as well from the food perspective over 2023. But that aside, I am fairly confident that we could see the cost of living crisis ease materially over 2023, perhaps much faster than anticipated. And again, that's because of this this year-on-year calculation that inflation is really made of. You know, you compare what is your cost of living this year? What are your cost of living last year? And of course, there are reasons why in 2022, the cost of living escalated so sharply, as we discussed, why prices rose so substantially. If in 2023, prices are not expected to see the same increase and perhaps even a moderation because of the weaker global economy, then you can be in for an inflation surprise on the downside, you know, a positive surprise, if you will. Before we move on to the South African economy, the very definition of a black swan event is something that is unpredictable, that you can't actually see it. But Annabel, global Globally, if there's one thing that would worry you, that would spook you in 2023, something that, I don't know, maybe is like a grey swan, something that's looming, but we don't quite know what it is. Do you have a handle on that? A grace one. Look, uh, I think, you know, one thing that is worrying markets is the high level of emerging market debt. We find ourselves in a very elevated bond yield year. And that, of course, you know, is a worry for countries who have the bulk of their debt in hard currency. So if we look at South Africa, the bulk of our government debt is in local currency. It's in rands. So we are less afflicted by exchange rate volatility and movements for countries that obviously issue the bulk of their government 
government debt in, in, in a hard currency, for example, when the um, exchange rate depreciates, that cost becomes substantially higher. You combine that for many commodity exporters with falling commodity prices, uh, slowing GDP economy as well. All of those factors can place risk for many emerging market economies. I think also as well, we've seen a big um, outflow from EMs this year, portfolio asset sell-off uh, that's been particularly localized for China and you know Asian area. But certainly, you know, there has been a, a foreign selling as well. That does remain a risk that we know about. I don't know if it's a grace one, but it certainly remains a risk that we're aware of, that we know about. I think, you know, a true black swan event, something that's very unpredictable. You know, you just don't know when the next big climate change smack will come. Or, of course, as well, you know, we've had a, a pandemic recently. There are many events which, you know, are not you're not able to anticipate. But I would certainly say that from where we're looking at the moment, we are in a environment where debt levels have really escalated quite substantially. And I think that's going to be something that the global financial markets, certainly the uh, multinationals like the IMF, the World Bank, you know, they'll be looking at that area. That is one key concern that we might, you know, see further pain on that side. And of course, you know, that's a risk for credit rating downgrades as well. It's something which is a concern, I'd say, yeah. Let's look at the South African economy in 2022. Define it for me, Annabel Bishop, in a couple of sentences. The South African economy is still going to be beset by load shedding. And I think, you know, that's something we need to wrap our head around, that it's not going to go away for a while. Obviously, we remain very open to global events. So what happens globally will affect us as well. Interestingly, you know, the advanced economies are expected to see a greater slowdown in their economy, economic activity over 2023 than the developing economies, the emerging markets are. And of course, you know, we obviously still have some constraints coming through from our transnet side. On the positive side, we're seeing a lot of progress made against corruption. We are seeing repair taking place at SARS. We obviously saw a very good budget, very good set of budget figures come out. We expect that to continue into February next year. The um, credit rating agencies are waiting to see whether <laughs> we do actually deliver on our promises. We've we revised the projections quite substantially. We're looking for a better fiscal outlook. It depends if we actually deliver that, if we do cut our debt issuance, for example, if we do obviously stick to those fiscal ratios. And that obviously ultimately then could see some further positive outlooks, perhaps some credit rating upgrades towards the end of next year, if things pan out well. The political issues are still difficult in South Africa. You know, we move through from the ANC elective conference in December. It's expected to then progress, obviously, into build up next year for the, the planning of the 2024 election. I think, you know, from that perspective, there are concerns about coalitions and, you know, political instability or certain political noise is not something I think that's going to go away for South Africa. But I do think that, you know, we as a commodity exporter, we, we have a lot of potential. And I think, you know, that's really going to center around the need urgently to repair what's happening at Transnet, the rail, the port system, just to really try and build up and strengthen our export capacity, which in turn then feeds into, you know, strong economic growth, increased employment and earnings, and, you know, again, improvement revenue for SARS. So we could see, you know, a positive uplift story, but I think we need more focus on getting the, the essentials right. We have spent a lot of time talking about the need to structure repair South Africa, but we still sit with stage four to six load shedding. You know, we stage six, obviously a key risk for us. We still obviously sit with transport issues and of course, you know, water issues as well. So, so all of these need to continue to be worked on and we need to see, you know, further progress. Steady, strong progress is what we need in South Africa. 
We're going to wrap up this conversation in just a moment with Investex Annabel Bishop. I'd just like to remind you that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Please don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio Essay wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please take a moment to rate us. Annabel, in conclusion then, as we look ahead to 2023, always difficult to plan in the long term. So what do businesses in the first quarter of 2023, in your opinion, need to be watching out for? What would your key red flags be? I think we we are already seeing some red flags on the consumer side. You know, we're seeing an increased usage in credit cards. There is financial vulnerability. Consumers are quite stretched. It's it's not surprising given a year of high inflation and rising interest rates and, of course, weakening economic activity as well. So we would say that the first quarter of next year is probably going to be quite a difficult one for consumers. We also have seen as well the bank serve transaction index, the income expenditure index. Those are all starting to sag a bit as well. So I would say you say there's some pain to come through the system. There is also as well the likelihood of a few more interest rate hikes early next year. Again, potentially clustered into the first quarter, but the risk is that they might go a little bit longer. As I said earlier, I'm looking for an inflation surprise on the downside. So I'm looking for inflation to come out lower than generally expected next year. That's certainly a hope. And if that's the case, then the interest rate hike trajectory could be much shorter than currently anticipated, both in the US and in South Africa. But we can't bank on that yet. You know, we need to see how we progress through the year. And then, of course, as well, you know, just bearing in mind that the global economy is expected to see a further slowdown economic activity. And particularly in the first quarter of next year, it's going to be a very difficult few months for those in the Northern Hemisphere, given that obviously your energy prices are likely to spike higher. And of course, as well, the risk is of a very cold winter. In fact, when your energy prices get very high, you actually see economic activity tail off quite significantly in the industrial production areas for obvious reasons, because they obviously are heavy users of electricity. So that's also some risk for the global economy and that obviously can feed through. Look, I think you know, on the positive side, we've seen oil prices come off quite substantially. So for South Africa, it might actually mean even lower oil prices as we go into early next year on the weakening global economy. And that, of course, would help us also on lower inflation. But last year, just end off, you know, it's still likely to be an uncertain period. There's still likely to be a lot of volatility and there, there are going to be many factors to watch for, Jeremy. It's going to be a very, very complex environment. You know, we can't say the Russian Ukraine was over and now we can just, you know, move off or, you know, the same for the, the concerns in China. I mean, they still have issues in their real estate sector. And of course, as well, you know, we remain very exposed from a South Africa perspective to the global economy, but we also as well have a lot of opportunities, both in our manufacturing sector and of course, in our commodities as well, to really try and lift our economic growth and, you know, push forward with a stronger economy and enact the government policies. And the government has obviously laid out on Operation Blue Lind Lela, and that really what needs to be, I think, our core focus in South Africa. This is the last No Ordinary Wednesday podcast for 2022. Annabel Bishop, I know that economists like to build indexes. So if you were to build a paracetamol index for us, is there going to be less or more pain in 2023? Uh, that's a very difficult question to answer, Jeremy. Given what we've been through in 2022, I think we'd all say, well, it's likely to be less and please, let's hope it's going to be a lot less. Look, I, I'm certainly optimistic that it's going to be less, but, uh, you know, 
I'm, I'm often disappointed by my optimism. And I think could be in an environment where we are factoring perhaps more pain than we need to for 2023, just because we've been through a very difficult 2022 year on, on many different fronts. It's been such a complex year. And of course, that is why perhaps we are a bit jaded. We've got a negative outlook and things actually might surprise us on the upside for 2023. I hope that uh, those words come true. Annabel Bishop, thank you very much indeed. Uh, well over the December break. And to all of our listeners, please join us again in 2023 as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio Essay wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, until next year, goodbye from me, Jeremy Maggs, and the entire Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.